Welcome to this week's episode of The Modern Good. I'm your host, Busy Gold, and Conscious Construction starts right now. Hey, everybody. This is Busy Gold, and this is probably the scariest podcast I've ever done. I've had certain moments in my life that have been nerve-wracking, full of jitters or butterflies, but honestly, nothing really like this. This is this is vulnerability on a whole new level for me because the story that I'm about to tell you is something that I have I guess in certain ways compartmentalized, in certain ways run from, and in certain ways omitted or told parts of, but never really owned the full truth. So today my goal is to really own 100% of my truth in hopes that anyone else that might find themselves in my position or is teetering on that edge and you're ready to just have somebody help you make that final push that potentially this story and this experience will help you roll over into the next iteration of how you live your life spiritually. So I've prayed before I started today and asked to be given the most effective and authentic words to truly tell the story that I'm about to tell. So hopefully the words just flow out because the words tend to flow out well for me when I'm teaching something intellectual and when I'm owning this aspect of my life. Like I said, this is where I tend to have those little butterflies or moments where I'm like, oh, because really Throughout all the years and the work that I've done on myself, the area that I have consistently been holding back the most in terms of fully owning my truth is this area. And it has been for fear of judgment for a lot of the way I was raised as a child. And I've had a variety of moments, especially in the last few years, where I've seen very clearly that the more I keep dodging this one or running from it, the more I will consistently keep getting blocked or protected, however you look at it, um, in a variety of ways in my in my business and my work that I do, because I think this is, it's such a huge piece of my life and a huge piece of my work that to not own it front facing and all the way will create a disconnect in what I'm teaching. So Here we go. When I was 19, I was going to University of Colorado. And, you know, the brain is the tricky thing, as many of you know, that have followed me in break method and and learned from me in that capacity. I could have been 18. I started college when I was 17. And I know for sure this didn't happen at the beginning of my freshman year. So from looking back as best I can possibly remember, I was either 18 or 19, but I was young biz, baby biz. 
And I was going to University of Colorado. And at this point in my life, I had been having such bad anxiety attacks that I embarrassingly couldn't even drive from my dorm. If you're familiar with Boulder, my dorm, I lived in like the high rise um, Willville buildings. I couldn't even drive from there to the mall. (gasps) An 18 year old girl not being able to drive to the mall without pulling over and have a panic attack. Honestly, I'm estimating here. I bet that distance was about seven miles. I couldn't even drive seven miles without pulling over on the side of the road to have a panic attack. And I've been having panic attacks every single day of my life from age nine up until this point. Sometimes multiple times a day. My whole life, I had been an insomniac. I never slept. My mom will even tell you that I never even slept as a baby. Sorry, mom. I'm getting a dose of my own medicine with Harley. So came back full circle. So I never slept. I had just crippling anxiety. My parents couldn't understand my anxiety. I frankly couldn't understand my anxiety. And my panic attacks were just all the time. Felt like they were always lurking around the corner and could hit me at just about any moment. So I had somehow navigated my way to college despite having these panic attacks that really framed my entire perception of what I thought I could accomplish in my life because they were so a part of my everyday life and so a part of my perpetual fear that I couldn't actually imagine ever getting to live a life without them. Like even just the thought of maybe having one day without multiple panic attacks, like that reality just didn't exist for me. So all this time I was also a competitive athlete, tried to perform well in certain areas of my life and did, but it was always fraught with a lot of internal friction and chaos and constantly trying to like hide my panic attacks. You know, I had, because I was a high performer in some ways, I, you know, I remember getting uh, an acceptance to this one, like really amazing internship. And I was just like, oh my God, I was so excited. And then immediately followed by the excitement, I was like, oh my God, but what if I have to take an elevator or what are I, what if I have to fly or what if I have a panic attack, right? It was just the what if, what if, what if. And immediately I'd like, it was like popping my own balloon. I was so excited about this internship. And then I was like, who are you to think that you could actually ever do that? Like you're, you're basically agoraphobic. You basically can't function in society as a regular human being. So, I mean, who cares if you got this internship, you're not actually going to be able to do it. And that's what would happen in my head. So I've been living life in this way for such a long time that the I couldn't even hold a vision of having a day without anxiety. So one day, I was probably 18 because this was like a spring in Boulder blizzard. And I should preface this with saying at that point in time, um, my freshman year, I had a boyfriend. Um, it was my first time ever dating somebody that was a Christian. I was raised Jewish on the East coast and Judaism. We're going to get into it a little bit later, but suffice it to say the way I had been raised and programmed my whole life was essentially to think of somebody 
being Christian as like an adult believing in Santa Claus. The way I had been programmed and taught, it was so like crazy and out of the box. It was like, oh, Christians, you know, just so much judgment and so much condescension, really, that when I first started dating this person and I found out that they were Christian in a really kind of funny slash not funny scenario, I remember just being like, oh, well, this isn't going to work. Um, I found this out by way of us. I knew that he was raised Christian, but to me, like being raised Christian and like really believing it as like the core of your being were two very different things at this point in time. And we almost got into a car accident on the highway. Again, more snow. Our car spun around. I think we were on the 36 and he like mom barred me with his arms. Like, Oh, Oh God. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. He's like, God, it just, I'm really starting to fall in love with you. And it would just be really awful if you died because you wouldn't, you wouldn't be going to heaven. And I was like, fuck up. What? Excuse you? And I remember, of course, really taking this position of like, what? I think the first genuine words out of my mouth were, whoa, 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 whoa. So you're telling me you don't believe in aliens? I was like, at this point, I was like, I don't even where do we go from here? If you don't believe in aliens, I don't even think we can date anymore. Um, obviously this is like a little baby biz relationship, but this was my first experience with being around somebody that really like, that was their first genuine thought is, Oh no, I really like this person. If we died, she wouldn't go to heaven. Right. And to me, this was this, like, I couldn't even rationalize it because this person to me seemed so smart and put together. And in my head, the way I've been programmed, it's like, well, but how can somebody with all these things basically believe in adult Santa Claus? Right. Trust me, this is all going to come full circle. So that was kind of like early freshman year where I've been kind of going through a variety of these experiences and fast forward to that spring I found myself in a crazy blizzard, like whiteout blizzard. And I already was, like I said, so scared to even just drive short distances because I would have panic death. But this, the blizzard got really bad and I started to have arguably one of the worst panic deaths I've ever had in my life. I immediately have to pull over because I can't be on the road anymore. Have to pull over. And I pull over, like trying to see out the windshield, I'm hyperventilating. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, I need to get out of the car. I need to get out of the car. And I, I find myself in the parking lot of a place called Cornerstone Church. So I'm in Cornerstone Church. I like, you know, turn the car off, go try to see if the doors are open. So I can go to the bathroom, splash water on my face, try to pull it together and hopefully see another human that might be able to talk me off of this ledge that I'm on where I actually feel like I'm having a real heart attack and I'm going to die, which by the way would be every panic attack, but that's neither here nor there. If you ever had panic attacks, your brain always tries to convince you that that's actually the one that's the heart attack. So this was that one, even though it was one of like 1 million. So I'm like wandering down the halls of this church, which PS, I had never been in a church before. Never, ever, ever, just never. Cause I was raised Jewish. That just doesn't happen. 
you know, there, there would have been no reason for me to ever have stepped foot in a church. Just it never happened. So I'm in a church for my first time and I'm walking down the hallway, like hyperventilating, sweating. My ears are ringing. I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm like trying to navigate my way to the bathroom. And lo and behold, this bald man with glasses comes out in front of me in the hallway. He's like, can I help you? I was just like, I'm just having a panic attack. And he's like, okay, why don't you come sit down and let's talk? So we start talking and right away I can hear in his voice that he sounds like he's from the East Coast. I was like, oh, are you from New York? Trying to make small talk because small talk was a great way for me to get out of my panic attack. And lo and behold, I find out that I have somehow had a panic attack and pulled over randomly at a church that is run by a former Jew rabbi who is now a pastor named Gene Binder. And I just immediately felt very comfortable with him. And those of you that have known me in an intellectual philosophical capacity all these years, you know that I love a good philosophical argument. I love a good religious argument. I love a good any argument. An 18-year-old biz was no different. I love to debate. And 18-year-old biz sat across the table from this pastor and was like, so wait, 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 wait. Let me get this straight. You went from this to this. I had a million questions. And he was very thoughtful and gracious in how he was responding. And really, I seemed genuinely like he was excited to answer these questions as much as I was to ask them. Immediately, I felt my anxiety attack go away. And I switched into basically, you know, interrogation mode because I had so many questions of this person. So we had probably about an hour long conversation. I'm no longer having a panic attack. And I was like, okay. And he was like, you should come to church on Sunday. And I was like, whoa, 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 buddy. I don't go to church. I'm not a Christian. And he was like, well, you can come and have lunch with me again. And you can ask me more questions because I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. Because I would just hand him, but what about this? But what about this to this to this to this? And he's like, oh, and every single time he gave me an answer, I was like, hmm, touche. Let me go chew on that for a second. So I found myself still very resistant and there was no way I was going to go to church. But I did keep coming back for our weekly philosophical religious debates because those were very exciting to me. And I started to notice that there was a part of me that had resistance to anything associated with Christianity or church purely just because of the way I was raised. Because everything that I was talking to this other human being about was resonating and feeling like a deep truth to me. But whenever he'd say like, okay, are you going to come to church on Sunday? I'd be like, what? No, of course I'm not going to come to church on Sunday. But of course, lo and behold, one day, on his inevitable end question of, so are you going to come to church on Sunday? One time I was like, yeah, I'm going to come to church on Sunday. So I went to church on Sunday and then I went the next Sunday and then I went the next Sunday. And then I met a girl who I'm pretty sure her name was Sarah. So Sarah, per chance you're listening to this. You were amazing. Definitely changed my life. So meeting Sarah I was invited to a Bible study that was run by another woman named Jess, who's a lovely human being. I haven't seen 
these people in literally forever. And the part of me that was always intellectually curious and loved to absorb information would keep going back to these things because I love to read. I love to assimilate information. And I think there was a large part of my brain that was like, if I'm going to accurately poke holes in this and call BS on it, I have to actually read it. I have to actually do the work myself. I can't just be like, it's false because, right, that's not my style. If you know me, you know that's not my style at all. I don't like to believe anything just because or because somebody told me to believe it or because someone programmed me to believe it. So I found myself immersing myself more and more into this world. And one day was faced with a plane ride, which was a huge trigger for my anxiety. And at this point, I was really playing around with everything I had been reading, absorbing, right? Like matching against my own internal truth, truth versus lie detector. And I find myself on this plane ride. And as I'm starting to feel the anxiety rise up, I pulled one of those moments that I feel like every pastor has has shared that I have personally heard speak before, where I kind of did this moment where I'm like, Jesus, if you're really real, can you make me never get another panic attack ever again? Because in my head, I'm like, what is the wildest thing that I can come up with right now? To just be like, see, it didn't work, so therefore you're not real. So I found myself in this moment doing what I'm sure many people have done in their Christian journey of saying, Jesus, if you're really real, please don't ever let me have a panic attack ever again. And remember, I had not up to this point been able to even go a day in like 11 or so years, even imagining that it was possible to not have a panic attack. So for me to sit there and be like, if you can do this, like you've got my heart forever, I believe in you. So I did the whole thing, sat there in the plane, listening to worship music and was like, okay, weird. I feel oddly calm right now. I'm kind of like bopping, singing the worship music in my head. I'm like, hmm, such a weird, what a weird experience. And I'm pretty sure PS, I was like, actually not PS and not pretty sure. Definitely. I was flying home to Connecticut because this is where it gets extra funny. So as all, I'm sure, 18, 19-year-old dum-dums do, I I got a lot of tattoos early that were tattoos where it's like, oops, probably shouldn't have done that. Um, while really like digging into this whole faith thing and I was playing around with it, I'm sure at some point my brain was like, you know what would be cool? Get a cross tattooed on your leg. Do that. So I did that. But then I remember on this plane ride being like, oh no, I'm going home. I have a cross tattooed on my leg and I'm about to go to a golf tournament with my dad and I remember all of a sudden like starting to feel like oh my god I'm gonna have a panic attack remember I had just said Jesus if you're real I'm never gonna have a panic attack again but I'm like thinking because my brain's trying to think of all these things to freak out and I think about it and I'm like it's cool whatever it's summer I'm gonna wear white linen pants and my dad will never see it and it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine And somehow I navigate through that entire plane ride, no panic attack. I land and I was like, that was weird. I'm never that relaxed flying, even though my brain tried to kick up something for me to be freaked out about. And I remember 
going to this, you know, getting ready for the golf tournament. It was like a family golf tournament at our country club. And I came out in shorts because obviously it's the East coast and it was hot and it was now summer. And my dad looked at my leg and he was like, um, excuse me. What is this? First of all, Jews don't get tattoos, but also what, what? There's so much judgment and anger in my dad's eyes, which I get it. I I did. I understood it. And of course it was expected. And of course I happened to forget because I was hot and sweaty and my dad pulled one of those. Oh my God. If your grandparents saw this, you know, that kind of like go Jewish guilt and shame that go put on pants. So I go put on pants. I get through the rest of that trip. My dad doesn't ever ask me about it. He's just kind of like, Oh my God. He doesn't even want to talk about it. Cause he just, he can't even believe it. He doesn't want to talk about it. So I go home from the golf room and I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to go back to college. I go back to college. My dad just completely avoided the conversation and I keep digging more into this journey. So I eventually decide to get baptized, right? I'm completely hiding this from my parents like no conversation with them whatsoever. And the irony, cause I'm sure some of you were like, mm-hmm, like your Christian boyfriend tricked you into this at this point, guys, cause this is how weird I was about sharing things. I didn't even tell him that I was doing all this stuff. Like I was going to church by myself. This wasn't like a including him in the conversation sort of thing. This was just like a me, myself and my philosophical journey. So eventually I decided to get baptized. I got baptized on Easter. I'm pretty sure by the time I got baptized, I think that was my 19th birthday. So at this point, like I found Jesus in spring. I went home, had that whole thing during the summer, like a full next. So this would have been like my sophomore year. I'm pretty sure I got baptized when I was 19. I think that's the most realistic timeline when I think about it. Cause I definitely got baptized on Easter. So I decided to get baptized on Easter the pastor, Gene, was really funny. And in front of the entire congregation, he's like, I'm going to hold her under a little bit longer. She's a Jew. Everyone laughed. I thought it was funny. Ha, huh? except please don't do that because I'm claustrophobic. Um, I get baptized. And I, I should probably mention that at this point, you know, nine months has passed. I've still not had a panic attack. So I've gone now months here. No panic attack, which is unheard of for me. So you of course, could imagine that every day that I got past that day where I'm like, Jesus, if you're real, every day that I got past that day without panic attacks, my faith grew and grew and grew and snowballed and grew some more. So by the time I got baptized, I was like free from panic attacks and my life looked very, very different. I had let go of a lot of things in my life regarding competitive athletics and pushing myself to do all kinds of things that ultimately weren't aligned. And if you've heard me talk on any other podcast, this is also exactly the same timeline. So I got baptized. And then shortly after this time is when I was walking down Pearl Street Mall and this older woman named Elizabeth chased after me with a psychic message that I was going to become one of Dolores Cannon's most famous students. And at this point, I didn't know who Dolores Cannon was. I didn't believe in psychics, right? This is, again, baby biz. So 
of course, if you ever go listen to me talk about the story, I do share it on a podcast I did with Mark Devine, um, D-I-V-I-N-E. Mark Devine's awesome. Go check out his YouTube channel. Um, so I share it in that particular podcast. But the summary is that having this woman chase me literally down the Pearl Street Mall to give me this, what I now know to be prophetic message about what was going to happen in my life was a huge turning point. And honestly, if I look at all of the sequence of events that had to happen in the order that they happened in, that could have only come after I had been rid of my panic attacks and into the beginning phases of my relationship with Jesus, who I still refer to as Yeshua, but I think we're all clear on who we're talking about. So that completely changed my life path and my journey forevermore. And one of the very first books I read of Dolores Cannon's after the Convoluted Universe series was Jesus and the Essenes. Highly recommend. So Jesus and the Essenes is a book that I would recommend, honestly, to anyone, Christian or not, to really help you see and experience a different a different side, a different perspective or a different lens of Jesus's life, who he was, what skills he had, what divinely his purpose was on earth outside of just purely religious doctrine, which having that experience started to kind of blend these two worlds for me that always existed, right? Like I, you know, to the point of, when I almost got in that car accident, I was like, wait, you don't believe in aliens? I've had so many experiences since a young age with the supernatural and being able to to see, hear, and predict things coming since a very, very young age that to me, that supernatural metaphysical world, that was never really a hard reach for me. But some of this other aspect that coincides more with, you know, like religion, which always had kind of like a dogmatic negative connotation in my eyes. That was more of like a taboo off limits piece of information to go, to go seek, explore and play around with. So what I found is that over the following years, these two worlds for me started to converge, but as they started to converge and I started to age, I started to notice that I was, much more hesitant to fully claim what I, you know, what I stood by and what I believe to be true, because some of the language around that kind of like metaphysical, you know, supernatural space was kind of like the antithesis of religion, where it's like a way for you to talk about all these things without like being a lame square or like being overly conservative. So I remember just little by little, like, holding back a little bit more using slightly different language. Like, okay, like, well, I know what I'm talking about, but I can talk about it like this. And I got really gifted at being able to talk about things in the way that people are used to hearing them or in a language that matched what they were thinking or talking about rather than just being a hundred percent front facing about like who and what I believe. So if you've ever listened to some of my other, which I'll call secret podcasts, Um, You've heard me talk about how when you look at things like quantum mechanics, quantum reality, the metaphysical, and things like the Bible and Christianity and Jesus, 
really each of those things is true and they're all layered on top of each other. But to see the whole picture and how it all ultimately fits together, you have to be able to kind of like toggle in and out certain lenses because you can only see the full truth when you have like all the lenses down and you learn how to look at them like all the way through here because there's so many different aspects of truth that are needing to be pieced together for you to be like, oh, right here, like this is that real truth part. And the reality is that over all of the years of my life from roughly 18 to present, I think I'm turning 37 this year. I don't know. I'm about to have my fourth kid. I've been pregnant for two years straight. I'm about to turn 37. I think inside, I still feel like I'm 15 and I can't believe anyone ever takes me seriously, but I'm pretty sure I'm about to turn 37. So I'm not good at math, but 37 minus roughly 18, 19, it's a lot of years. And over the years, I feel like as you bring in more information, sometimes you get further away from what your heart knows to be the truth. And then all of a sudden a new piece will get added into the puzzle. And then all of a sudden it makes the truth that you already knew make even more sense and it clicks in, right? So sometimes when we think we're moving away from our truth, we end up piecing something in that brings us back to that truth in an even more deeply anchored way. So while my path has certainly been meandering over the years, my personal relationship with Jesus has been consistent every single year, every day. That that doesn't change. What has changed for me is like, oh, well, but if this, then this, right? We're just kind of meandering and you're trying to, I just love to, I love to learn. I love to explore. I love to explore possibilities and play around with what ultimately fits and makes sense and what doesn't. And what I have found is that the more I have learned and the more I have explored the possibilities, the more everything always leads back to one truth. And because in my work with break, I deal with so many clients that have religious trauma. I think I have gotten really good at, like I said, kind of, hiding, like using the right language, not like fully owning it because I don't want to trigger anybody. And to a certain extent, I think that's productive for some people, but ultimately it's not me living and teaching in my full truth, which I teach others, right? You can only lead others as far as you've led yourself. Like I'm past that point of compartmentalization. So every day that I choose to keep it compartmentalized is me not leading the way I'm supposed to lead. And I do know better. So this is what I really want to leave everybody with. Number one, religious trauma is a real thing. I deal with it all the time in my practice. One of the gifts that I feel has really anchored in who I am, what I believe, and and what my spiritual belief system is in such a deep way is that I wasn't ever mistreated or indoctrinated with the Bible. As a child, I mean, anyone here has ever been raised reform Jewish? I mean, I knew zero things about the Bible. I remember one day having like library free time in like first or second grade and finding a book 
and the shelves that kind of gave like kitty versions of some of the old Testament stories and being really into it, being like, Whoa, weird, but never had any exposure to it whatsoever. So in Hebrew school, like you learn some Hebrew, but I mean, there was just no religion to speak of and there was no real talk of God. In fact, my mom would read me the same book every single night before bed that had to do with bedtime routines. And she would always skip the one page where the girl, I'm pretty sure, was saying the Lord's Prayer before bed. And I didn't say anything for, you know, a long time until one day I'm like, Mommy, why do you always skip that page? And she's like, oh, because God doesn't exist. You know, that can do some serious damage to a kid's psyche especially a person like me who was so connected to God and source early in those years that to me, all of a sudden it was like, Oh my God, my mom doesn't what? And then it made me just kind of like existentially spiral. So then I remember asking my dad and my dad's like, well, I used to, but after everything I've seen in my life and in my career, it's, it's hard to believe that there's a God, which listen, I get it. Everyone that has watched things unfold for the last few years, like it is, it's hard it's it's hard until you go all the way in and you look at things from the perspective that I look at them and then it makes all of the sense in the world. So I digress. I think where I'm going with this is that I wasn't indoctrinated or programmed. I didn't have the Bible or biblical terms used against me. I didn't have any of that stuff used to discipline me or make me fear God or make me feel ashamed in God's eyes or think that somebody's like watching over me. So when I deal with clients day in, day out that had that experience as a Christian, it makes me really mad because when I got to read the New Testament and have my personal relationship and experience of Jesus, it doesn't say that at all. That's my biggest, when, if ever you've seen me in a break lecture, been like, you know, it's like a picture of Jesus and he's like this and he's like, come on guys, I super didn't say that. Um, it's mind blowing to me having not been indoctrinated and had it used against me to read it with fresh eyes as an adult. It's hard to even believe that it could be twisted. And I do realize and, and teach a lot about the importance of, of language and translation, of course, but even some of the things or concepts that I have seen twisted to be a negative, if you look at the the truth of who he was, what he says, how he lived his life, who he chose to hang out with, heal, who he definitively claims he came here to help, it's not like the righteous, haughtier than, you know, haughty religious leaders. Like, no, he came here to help the people in need, the, the lepers, the broken, the, you know, the people that were outcast from society. So this whole idea that somehow religion can be twisted to be this like authoritarian kind of like terrible, evil, indoctrinating, fear inducing, guilt and shaming message. It just, it like breaks my heart. I hate it. It makes me so upset. And I've found that my entire career start to finish. I've always sat there publicly being like, I don't know, like I just, all the Christian customers come to me and I kind of will say it like jokingly, but I know exactly why all the Christian customers come to me because this is the work I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm the one that's been over here, like 
hiding in secret, like I'm a Jew from New York because it's easier for me to do that. That feels more comfortable. Like that doesn't somehow put me intellectually at risk, but it's not the truth. It's not, it's not my truth. And it's not how I raise my kids. It's not how I live my life. It's not how my internal thought process works. So I've hit a point where I'm so passionate about being able to help people through religious trauma and help them move through their childhood programming that made them turn against all of those things and not only heal their brains to lead their everyday lives and relationships in a more powerful, intentional way, but ultimately heal their relationship with creator and get them back into their like true sovereignty and mission on this planet. Because if ever there was a time that we need people to be on mission and know exactly who they are and whose they are, it's right now. So I've been, you know, playing with this for a long time. And like I said, it's the scariest podcast I've ever done. And I've given some podcasts on some pretty wild topics. This is way harder because it's way more vulnerable. And ultimately, it's more vulnerable because of all my child programming and how basically my brain has me believe that somehow owning this somehow will diminish my ability to be taken seriously as an intellectual. But I don't really care. I don't because this is the truth. And if anything, these experiences and these truths are part of my intellectual power and ability. That's why I'm able to do what I do. That's why when I meet people at workshops or keynote speaking or graduates in the break course, they're like, where did this come from? How do you do this? Well, now you know. You know, I find it hilarious that in 2020, it's more legitimate to be like, an alien came down in a ship and told me to teach this. And they're like, oh, cool. But if it's like, you actually got connected with God and Jesus and Holy Spirit actually is helping you bring this information through to the humans. That's like, whoa, that's way too taboo. You'd rather hear that, hear that like an alien came down on a ship and like, neener, 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 gave me the information. Um, so all this to say, I'm very passionate about helping people through their religious trauma. And while I've found that over the years, it's been easier for me to kind of navigate that in between like, well, you don't really know what I believe. Um, I just can't, I can't authentically live in that space anymore. Now that doesn't mean that I don't respect everyone else's opinion and vision and, and ideas on what the truth is of how our world works and what the purpose of humanity is and all the rest of it. Of course, I have the utmost respect for anyone with differing viewpoints. So this isn't about, trying to jam what I think down people's throats. It's more about fully owning the fact that this is through all the years and all the exploration and all of the, like I said, meandering. There is a constant that I always come back to. And when I come back to it, it anchors me deeper and deeper and deeper. And we're in a very important time in the world right now. And I believe that, a lot of people need Jesus in their life. They do. And you could be Jewish, you could be Hindu, you could be a Christian that is dealing with Christian trauma and the thought of ever even thinking about those concepts again makes you want to bomb on the spot. I totally get it. I want to be a, a, a flashlight, if you will, 
to help you explore some of those concepts without the indoctrination, without the guilt and shame, without the fear, without the authority and without the, like the division and the dogma, because ultimately that's not at all who Jesus was or what he taught at all. So I'm very passionate about helping people either heal their relationship here that has been broken or damaged and or start a brand new relationship because honestly, I'm like the last person that would have ever actually become a Christian. Like I just am. But the reality is that since roughly 18, I have been, I've just been hiding it. And there have been plenty of years that I have like pushed it down so deep that even like I start to question it. But then again, I'll land back at that place where I integrate new information. I'm like, Oh God. And the content that I have about to, to come through and what I'm about to be focused on teaching, I'm just going to own this side more because like I said, we're at quite the moment in time here. People, this is not the time to be, playing it safe, hiding, compartmentalizing, pretending. This is the time when hopefully me actually coming out and sharing this will motivate somebody else to revisit it, to reach out to me, talk about it, to potentially realize like, hey, I have turned completely against this because of what happened to me as a child. Great. Let me help you out of that. Because helping people work through religious trauma so that they can reconnect with God in the right way is I think that's my big mission, especially for the next few years. So um, break will never be a religious program, right? It's not like all of a sudden what's going to be a religious program. That's not what we're talking about here. And really, I don't align with a lot of the religious aspects of this. That's kind of been my whole issue the whole time. I think so many times, these concepts get twisted and used for manipulation and control. When if we were to actually do a study, which we're going to, it's hard to, it's hard to see where somebody could like grasp at straws and try to make that something else. So um, if you were raised to See it in a certain way that creates division and fear and guilt and shame. Like I urge you to, to start learning with me and look at it from this other perspective, because we're going to be taking a whole very unique quantum look at the Bible, I will say. And I'm so excited about it. And I've been nervous to talk about it for such a long time. And, you know, I talk about it in some circles and with some friends and they're like, oh my God, this is going to be the coolest thing we've ever done. People are so excited about it. But of course, for me, like until I really owned this part, I'd play around with that idea. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to like, you know, come out of the proverbial Christian closet first. Um, So all this to say, I get it. Religion itself, organized religion can be awful. It can be damaging. It can do, I mean, it can do so much harm to a child that becomes an adult. And I see it every day in my practice with break that my perspective is never inclusive of those things. My perspective is to try to help you 
see where there are areas where these kind of pieces of beliefs are already there. And maybe you just need somebody to help you look at this kind of quantum perspective where we are able to kind of toggle in all these different lenses to see like what really ultimately is the truth that feels right for you. And I'm just really excited about it. And I've watched personally what this can do in people's lives with my husband, with my kids. The more we bring Jesus front and center into our family, into our marriage, into our parenting, the output is so exponential and so undeniable that now like every day, every week, it's just like miracle, 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 miracle to the point where Gordon, who if we had had this conversation a year ago, would have been like, "Mm mm-hmm. Now he just will like laugh and be like, oh my God, did you just see what happened? I'm like, yeah, I know. I've been living this like miracle life my whole life. Um, And I think what I'm most most excited about is helping open up this door in a very non-judgmental way for you to explore and see what feels right for you. Because when you let this in in a way that feels right and true for you the miracles that line up so quickly are so intense and so powerful that it would be hard to ever walk away from and the way that I've been experiencing life especially over the last few years is really just that I I, I've seen and experienced too much confirmation to ever turn just have And I want to be able to share that with other people. So thank you for letting me stream of consciousness, get this information out there. I am grateful to every single one of you who is a student, a listener of my podcast. Um, Just know that I, I love and accept all human beings truly at like a very, very deep level. And all I want is for people to feel the sort of freedom and connection that I feel every single day where I'm actually just watching in real time, like miraculous experiences just line up and keep guiding me in the right path. And I know that so many of you need that. And we all as humanity need that right now. And there's a big missing piece for some of you. And I hope that you will allow me to share more of that with you again, never with like a jamming down your throat. But if I can ever be the person that you can ask questions to and have intellectual conversation and debate with just like that one person did for me the day that I found myself having a panic attack and a blizzard at 18 and I can help walk you through that threshold, then my work here is complete. So my name is Busy Gold. (laughs) I'm Christian. I for sure, for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, believe in the power of Jesus. And I really hope that more people will just let that tiny little crack of light open up a little bit more and feel comfortable asking questions and exploring it because when you fully let that in, it's just a huge game changer. It just says there's no other way to explain it. And it's part of, it's part of why I'm able to do what I do. I can't tell you how many times people are like, God, how do you, 
how do you do all this? How do you create all this? How do you have the time? How do you X, Y, Z? This is part of the way, you know, this is the way when you're actively immersed in your mission and you know who you are. I remember who I am, right? It's written on my wrist. I remember who I am. I'm actively immersed in my mission. And when you are in alignment and you are right with your relationship with God, everything else becomes very easy by comparison. In fact, that's one of the best measuring sticks of whether you're in alignment with God or not. My life starts to get real hard, real quick, if I get out of alignment. And I've been called to do this podcast for a while. And I'm taking my daughter's thread to do something really exciting tomorrow. And I was told multiple times that I had to fully own this to step all the way into what I'm doing with my daughter tomorrow. So this is me fully being transparent and saying, I will never judge anyone or tell them what to think or how to think. But I am very passionate about helping people heal their brains and heal their relationship ultimately with God, because that's really what it's about. So I'm excited to be able to share a bunch of my new stuff. Um, My new stuff is going to be all free. So that's exciting. Another thing that I've been really called to do is no longer charge for my work on this stuff. So that's exciting. So I'm going to be offering a ton of free stuff. If you got into break this last semester, you saw that we did a financial sliding scale so that it basically is, is essentially as free as it possibly can be with all the people who are actually employed by the company. So, um, lots more to come on that, but I'm just really passionate about helping people heal, heal their generational lines and get right with God. So I'm going to be doing more and more of that for free. And I'm very excited to be launching coming up here pretty soon, kind of more of like a fireside chat series on certain parts of the Bible so that we can start to open up some of this conversation and explore it from more of a quantum perspective. And um, yeah, I'm just grateful that you took the time to listen. If you feel like somebody that is grappling with their spiritual identity or they're afraid to come out of the closet or anything, you name it, where we're a Jew like me who had never read the New Testament and then seriously read it and was like, but wait, 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 wait. but you believe that, but not this? Y'all, we're going to get into it when we go through all the Bible stuff. The New Testament, if you were, if we're just doing like a believability scale, Old Testament versus New Testament, really? Anyways, I digress. We hold that for a later conversation, but Anyone that you feel like needs to hear this message or needs this to be shared with them to just help them motivate even a little bit more to even just ask questions. I am here, judgment-free zone to get into conversation, debate. I'm all good with it. Um, No matter who you are, how you identify, what you believe, I love you. I love all human beings. And I want all human beings to realize how incredibly special they are and get them all back to realizing how connected they could be every single moment of every day. And I think that would make the world a lot better of a place to live in. So on that note, I'm going to sign off for today and lots more good content to come. Look forward to your feedback. Bye everybody. Thanks for checking out this week's episode of the modern good. 
To find out more about Break Method, head to breakmethod.com and to check out my workshops and public speaking schedule, busygold.com. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.